0: Show me the crypto, show me the crypto, show me the crypto. In a world on the brink of disruption, two men will bring you clarity by interviewing some of the most intelligent and influential names in the blockchain world. Welcome to Show Me The Crypto with your hosts, wade patterson and ulf lonegren
1: well hi there and welcome to a special episode of show me the crypto my name is wade patterson and i'm Ulf lonegren we're a couple of friends from canada who love learning about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology and we're happy you're along for the ride this is a unique episode it's a special episode typically on show me the crypto Alf and I interview a guest who is much smarter than us. We have the easy job. We just ask them questions. But we thought it would be fun, since we're in June 2023, to do a bit of a mid-year update episode. Because those who are dedicated fans of our show may recall back in January, we did a five-bold predictions episode where we just took some wild guesses of what 2023 could look like. So since we're in June, we're halfway through the year, we figured let's look back at those five predictions, see how on track or half how off base that we are right now, and then talk a little bit about some of the other big stories that we've seen so far in 2023. So Alf, you ready? You're ready to jump right into these
0: five predictions? I'm ready for it. Let's see where we're at. How do you think your predictions were? I think my predictions overall were pretty good, but we'll dive in and we'll find out. (laughs) We'll dive in. Because we disagreed. We disagreed on a few different takes or had slightly different opinions. And I'll say Wade's predictions were maybe more bold than mine. (laughs) But uh, hey, being bold and being wrong might mean that was the point. So we'll see. We'll see that. We'll see how it plays out.
1: That's right. So the first prediction was one that I made. And I said that we were going to be in for a long time difficult bear market of a year. Now, I didn't say boring. Originally, I said boring and then I took that back because let's face it, crypto is never a boring space. But I figured that this would be the depths of the bear market 2023. And one of the reasons I had that prediction, and this is something that has happened historically, it doesn't mean it will happen in the future. What we've seen historically is something called the Bitcoin halvening event, which happens every four years. And what happens is that on this date, the Bitcoin halving, which I believe is set to take place in April of 2024, so we're still a little bit away from that, is that the reward for Bitcoin miners for solving a block is cut in half. And it's a basic supply-demand thing that we usually see this event takes place, and then some months or even a year down the road, typically we get the kickstart to the next bull market again, that is what has happened in the past, doesn't mean the future, but I have no reason to go against that. So I figured because that event takes place late April 2024, that this year would be that that deep bear market. So Ulf agreed that it wouldn't necessarily be the most exciting year in the big picture, that 2023 would be somewhat of a, a dull year. But he did say that in, in retrospect, if you just look compared to, you know, other assets and the, the terms of gains, because at the time of recording, Bitcoin was worth about 17000 17, yeah, yeah. U.S., Ulf said that it would still be a somewhat significant year for Bitcoin, and he figured Bitcoin would be anywhere from
0: $25,000 to $35,000 U.S. Which, and, let's just pause there for a second, because that that's almost doubling, right? So if you invested yeah. right at that time, and that did happen in the world of crypto over the course of a year that might not seem like a lot but again i'm maybe looking at that glass half full or like hey anybody puts in the money and just never mind what happens if you were to pull it out you know cash in at the end of that time period and it had gone up to 25 to 30 you're almost looking at up to you know 90 percent Gains or whatever, so I figured that's still a pretty positive if that plays out, which remains nice to be seen.
1: And I love how only in crypto could we be like, Oh, it's such a boring year, it only you 2X. might double your yeah, money, yeah, you might only get 90% return on investment. So, all f- to be fair, his prediction right now, as of recording this episode, Bitcoin is right around that 25,000 mark, which is funny because it seems like. We got up as high as almost 30,000 a couple months ago, and then it dropped back down. But going from 17 to 25 is a pretty significant jump in the six months so far. Now, of course, there's a lot of year to play out. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But one of the interesting things that came out of that episode was a big bet because Alf and I had different takes on how high Bitcoin could be. So we drew this number of twenty nine thousand dollars, a twenty nine thousand dollar Bitcoin, and I asked Alf, "Is it going to be over or under that number?" And what did you say, Alf? Over, baby, <laughs> over all day. I said under. So
0: right at this point, Alf, are you confident in that? prediction i stand by that prediction and if anything i feel more confident because we've already been there we hit that number already once this year and above and uh basically like the way i actually made the the prediction before we made the bet was that you know there still would be ups and downs throughout the year now when i was saying that i I would say I wasn't thinking that we would have hit up to 30 K as fast as we did. Mm. So that was a bit of a surprise, but when we look forward to the rest of the year, the following six months that are to come, I think this puts me in arguably a better position to win that bet. And I think we will, I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about it. It's interesting because
1: I also feel very confident in the bet that I took of under, I do not think Bitcoin as of midnight on December 31st will be above 29K. I think you it think will You think that be was below. the run up and now, now uh, it's run out of juice, eh? There it's might even be, be more run ups, but I really do think we're gonna kind of settle below. And it's just to show like, I'm actually impressed we've got that number because that's actually a really exciting number. And yeah, that bet yeah. is still definitely in play. One thing I will note, For our 100th episode, which was another huge achievement of 2023, so a big exciting thing for us so far this year is hitting our 100th episode, we had an awesome guest, Benjamin Cohen, on the pod. And we asked Benjamin, who do you side with? And let me just explain to the audience. Benjamin, he's an expert. I mean, he has hundreds of thousands of YouTube subscribers who rely on his technical analysis. He knows
0: what he's talking about. And his
1: crystal ball gazing. And Benjamin took my side of the bet which gives me even more confidence. His speculations are dubious at best. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see how that one plays out. So that was the first bold prediction. And I have to say so far, I think we're kind of both right. Like at this point in time, it's there's no question we're in the depths of a bear market. A lot of people have left the space. John Oliver put out, Cryptocurrencies to a short kind of look at cryptocurrencies. Many remember when he covered crypto back five years ago, and it was talking about things like, like the FTX drama and talking, still speaking negatively about crypto, which is these are bear market things that are happening. A lot of people out of the space. So we're kind of both right on this one. Although your price prediction, 25
0: to 35,
1: I'll give you the edge.
0: Well, and even market. though, I, you know, even though price is up, uh, you know, compared to when we started this talk uh, in January and it was 17K. So prices up, arguably, you know, like it's up a good amount, um, all things considered. But still, when you look at the future, the situation we're in as an industry right now with all of the uh, regulation concerns happening in America, um, you know, Binance, pulling out of America, they've pulled out of Canada. They you know that there's a lot happening on the regulation front that's causing a lot of fud and who knows what that will do to affect the rest of the year. And and I think that regardless of the price of crypto assets as a whole, there's still this sentiment of bear mentality right now. Mm-hmm. So it would be hard to argue even with gains over the last 6 months that we're not still in a bear market just because of the way the, the landscape is today. Yeah, no,
1: 100%. So that was the first bold prediction. The second was one that Ulf led the way with his very vanilla prediction that was obvious. No, I'm just kidding. He He said that centralized exchanges would have to become more transparent or be left in the dust. So this was coming out of obviously a crazy second half of 2022. In fact, a crazy full year of 2022, ending with the FTX drama, which was just disastrous, disastrous for the industry. And for the average person who's loosely aware of crypto, they don't always see the difference between this technology, blockchain technology, the power of cryptocurrencies, and they don't understand maybe the difference between a centralized exchange. So when they see this happening, sometimes the whole industry is just painted poorly, even though those of us who are educated in the space know that there is a difference between holding your funds in a self-custody wallet versus a centralized exchange. But for most, they just see it all being bad. So Ulf said things need to become more transparent. I had chimed in that, yes, the FTX situation was bad for our industry. And I agreed with him. I said that, yes, there's going to have to be more transparency. But Ulf, as you were just saying, given what has been happening recently with the SEC drama with Coinbase Binance. What are your thoughts now on this original prediction? Because now it's not just a matter of, of transparency, but it's actually like the government is taking some, some serious action yeah. here. So, so what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I actually think even though the prediction itself sounded vanilla, I think when you look back on it with where we are today, it, it, it becomes an interesting prediction of sorts because I would say that i kind of got it wrong while i kind of got it right and i got it right in that the overall direction of the industry and the way that centralized exchanges have had to react has been uh right in regards to like the direction like they they have had to tighten things up they have had to become more transparent but where i got it maybe wrong is that Rather than just becoming more transparent, and um, you know, and facilitating this regulation, you know, as difficult as that may be for them to do, what we didn't predict and what we've seen happen now is these exchanges just pulling out of the market entirely mm-hmm. in in, re- in certain regions, really, primarily America, right? Like, Binance, the biggest exchange, centralized exchange in the world just said, screw it and pulls yeah. out of America. I mean, now that would have been a bold prediction if we had made that and then we would have really nailed it. But I think it's, it's an, in, it's interesting to look at that the direction we were thinking was correct. Uh, but that was actually played out. We didn't predict. And, and I think that um, I don't know that we could have predicted it unless we really maybe had a, you know, more of a crystal ball.
1: Yeah. Well, and one thing we're excited about here is we're hoping for next week's episode to have a returning guest on who knows a lot about what is happening at the SEC level, because we haven't been able to dive into that subject just yet. Um, and it's an important conversation to have to always know like, you know, what, what defines uh, security, is crypto, is Ethereum security? And it's, it's this moving target, it seems like, in terms of what Gary Gensler has said. He hasn't been consistent. So we're having an awesome guest on next week to talk about that, to dive deeper into the subject. But yeah, that second bold prediction, I mean, yeah, it was right, but it wasn't to the level that we've actually seen so far of them actually pulling out. So that's an interesting one. Okay, third bull prediction. That's one I took the lead on. And I said that this would be the year of music NFTs. So I explained that while it might take a bull market to really hit the mainstream, that I figured a lot of the building blocks would be put in place right now. And I want to mention on our 103rd episode, we had Sarah Phillips on the pod and she's an artist who has been doing a phenomenal job integrating Web3 into her music. She's doing some really unique things of like cross collaboration. So people who are attending her in-person shows are also getting NFTs. People who hold NFTs are getting free tickets to her in-person shows. She's crossing these two worlds and she is making a good living off of her music through Web3. However, oh, one other thing I'll mention. Coop Records, we've had Cooper Turley on the pod. Coop Mm -hmm. Records announced a $1 million seed round investment into Daniel Allen, another guest of the pod in the past, which was, again, a big story. But you said, in your prediction, Alf, that while you think music NFTs are an inevitable future, that this wouldn't be the year for them. Yeah, that's right. That it would be further down the line. And I tend to agree with you because even though there's been these couple one-off examples of success. I don't think anyone mainstream is talking about how music NFTs have taken over yet. But the building blocks piece, I think, is important because that development continues. Mm. What are your thoughts on on music NFTs, what we've seen so far?
0: Yeah, I think, again, I took the safe route on this one and maybe took the less bold uh, prediction. But I think it's true. What we've seen play out is there have been further strides made in the world of of music nfts and tying uh, web3 technology with the music industry but would anyone i think argue that this has been the year of music nfts at least thus far i don't think so you know there's it hasn't been in the news from like a mainstream media standpoint or uh, something that everybody's talking about I think that time will still come I do agree with your prediction just not the timeline mm-hmm. and I think that it will take longer but uh, music will see its day still yeah yeah so for those keeping score I think Ulf's ahead on the scoreboard because I've been off
1: on a few of these and and Ulf probably you know, playing his safe, consistent, steady Eddie predictions. If there's any
0: learning, just play it (laughs) safe. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. do really obvious predictions. (laughs) So, Alf's fourth prediction was that Dex's would pop off. So, Alf, can you walk us through what that prediction was all about
0: and whether or not you think you were correct? Sure. So, will Dex's pop off? Basically, what I had said in regards to this prediction was that Dex's up until that point they had existed they've been around but aside from basic swapping on you know uniswap and stuff like that i'm talking about true dexes with full like um trading functionality and a lot more tools for the average trader not just someone who's looking to swap some tokens and with everything that had happened with ftx and other centralized exchanges collapsing. it seemed to me that this was going to be sort of the the wake up call or the scare that people needed to, to take ownership back with their crypto and move over to DEXs and start using them for their trading needs. And I don't have statistics during this call right now to say whether or not my prediction is going the right direction i will say if i were just taking my best guess at it yes i think i'm on track i know that a lot i see the chatter online about moving to Dexes. i see it becoming um you know a mantra that that influencers and people in the industry are now saying every time as we've seen in the news in recent history, every time anything gets brought up with uh, like all these regulatory concerns right now in the sec, you always see somebody else saying in the comments, don't keep your coins on a centralized exchange, go use DEXs, move them to your wallet, you know, self custody. And so, I mean, they're preaching the good choir. I think uh, it's, it's, it's the right message that's getting sent out now, despite the FUD happening from this. But I do think people are moving to DEXs. I've moved, I'm, I'm doing more, um, trading and more action on DEXs now. So whether or not that's like really picked up, uh, statistically, I can't say, but my gut tells me it has. Are they really popping off though? I got six months. I got six (laughs) months till they're really popping off. That's the
1: beauty. That's the beauty. We don't want to prematurely evaluate, how these (laughs) predictions have been, but yeah, potentially moving in the right direction. I would say, I think we're a little ways still from that term of pop off that sounds, but you know, the reality is it's hard for anything to pop off in a bear market, right? In a bull market, things like grow exponentially, but in a bear market in general, we're all just trying to hang on and stick around,
0: so. And you know what we will do for sure, six months from now, when we do the full year end, I'll get the data and we'll prove whether or not DEXs have popped off. Yeah, you'll have to really defend your position, make the case. This is just the the
1: mid-year check-in. Okay, so the last thought was that 2023, this is what I said, would be the best year ever to get into crypto. And I actually still believe that. So I think that the fact we're in the depths of a crypto winter right now, I think that those people, whether it's trying to get a job in the crypto industry or just stay involved, the people who take the time to do that right now, to build the relationships, to go to crypto conferences, all of those things, people take notice. People take notice of who's around during the bear markets and then come the bull market. If we do see another bull market in the future, that pays off. We saw it on a big level during the last bull market. And Ulf and I actually both I was probably more guilty of this than all, but made the mistake of not paying as much attention as I think we wish we would have during the 2018 bear market, because we were in the space before that. I got in initially in 2016, but then the 2018. 2018 drop happened and I kind of stopped paying attention. I'd read the odd headline, I'd keep an eye on crypto Twitter, but I wasn't regularly plugged in. And then all of a sudden, as we started ramping up again, these people you could tell who had taken the time to build those relationships in 2018. They were the ones who took full advantage, who saw things like NFTs coming. They were tapped in, DeFi summer. And so it really does. If if you're watching this episode or listening to it in 2023, mid-2023, 2023, you're still around, you're still with us. Honestly, you may think at times, like, what, what am I doing? Like, nobody I know in my social circle is talking about this stuff. We see it all the time. It's cyclical. It's predictable. And I honestly think that right now is the best time to be in the crypto space. All four of your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny because with where we are right now, you know, even just this whole talk we've had, we're kind of talking about like, it almost might sound negative, like bear market this, FUD that, uh, you know, regulation and all this stuff. But I can tell you genuinely, I'm so stoked on crypto right now. <laughs> and I have been the whole year. And, and maybe that comes from the experience of riding those waves up and down. But crypto almost more exciting when things are bad because you know that those are where the biggest opportunities come from Mm. and if you're paying attention like you said whether that is being involved in the space as um, you know a voice or whether that's working in the space or building a project in the space or being an investor in the space whatever it is it might not be as exciting from like a day-to-day price action standpoint, but like the biggest gains in any of those categories all happen when you get planted early so that when things are popping off, you're already set, like you're already in it. Um, so that's why I'm really excited right now because, I mean, I'll be honest, I would love for price to drop a little more before it pops back up and I win my bet at the end of the year. <laughs> because... I think it's just going to provide more opportunity and Mm -hmm. I got plans to still be investing, taking part myself and, and I think it's an exciting time. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for that prediction. Of course. And of course, none of this is, is financial advice,
1: but it, it goes both ways, right? I mean, you know, whether it's actual money investing right now, when many other people aren't paying attention, we have some lower prices compared to what we were seeing a year and a half ago. But even just the the information, like it's such a, I can't tell you enough, the opportunity of paying attention during a bear market, because it's those things that people are talking about now. You know, we're talking about different layer two solutions that are coming around. That is one of the big stories. Things like Bitcoin ordinals. These have been some of the stories of 2023. And those people who are tapped tapping, in, coin, meme coins have been crazy. <laughs> meme coins <laughs> popping <laughs> off. And if you're paying attention to opportunities of the moment. like There are always opportunities in crypto and there's less noise at a time like now. So it's easier to spot some of those things. So with that in mind, let's talk about some of the big highlights from 2023. First, let's be selfish. Let's talk about highlights for us. We mentioned we dropped our 100th episode, this year but one thing we did not predict at the beginning of the year was that we would actually launch an nft project
0: that's something that just kind of yeah that's not that was like not (laughs) pre-planned we just like came up with that in the year the year's already begun and we were like we had this idea and man that kind of we turned that around real fast well and i think the reason was it all for it was that Alf and i have talked a
1: lot we we interview these people who are truly walking the walk when it comes to using Web3 blockchain technology. Alf and I love having these interviews. We love having these conversations, but let's face it, the content we're posting is on YouTube and podcast app. These are very Web2 platforms, and we're sharing out pieces of content on social media. So in a way, we felt kind of hypocritical because we're talking about the importance of blockchain tech, how it's going to be revolutionary. And we had to look in the mirror and say, we're not really using the tech that way at this point. So it pushed us and we had this idea, given the timeline of the 100th episode, that we wanted to launch our first collection of NFTs. We called it the First 100. And the idea was that our first 100 guests would have a chance to claim their NFT for free and that we would have a public general sale for a couple weeks where anyone, members of the public, were able to mint one of the other 100 that was available. We didn't get a ton of sales. We got four. Four sales. Thank you to the four purchasers of the NFT. But we want you to know anyone who is keeping an eye on that nft project that's not something that's one and done we're we're very aware that this will always represent our earliest supporters whether that was guests of our show or those people who chose to purchase there's going to be more information coming out about our nft project for example Ulf and i are looking really hard at potentially reducing that supply it was originally 200 bringing it down to 100. It makes sense, called the first 100 NFT collection, which like anything, reducing supply is helpful. And then also having more secondary sale opportunities for the remaining NFTs and potentially rewarding some of the people who have been early supporters. So all of those things are in play. There's more to come on that, but that was an exciting development of this year. Alf, what did you learn? Oh, and by the way, shout out to Lucas Campbell. Lucas Campbell, he is... An incredible—he's he, such a smart guy. He has been really an advocate of podcast NFTs. He works with Bankless, and Bankless is an amazing podcast. Many of you know all about Bankless, and he was the one who kind of pushed them to start doing podcast NFTs. He walked us through it was true white glove service how he showed us how to deploy our yeah, own NFT. Yeah, so that was an awesome experience. But
0: all just in general, what did you, what did you learn from that process, or what were your overall thoughts on the NFT launch? I learned a lot because we went in not knowing really anything about like minting an NFT collection. So, and, and uh, again, hats off to Lucas. Thank you for all the help there made our lives a lot easier, trying to figure out sort of the tech side of it. Um, but it was a fun process to be honest. Like we turned it around really quick. It was a lot of work and definitely learned that it's not as easy to just launch a project and, have it sell out as you'd perhaps like to do but that's all right i'm still very proud of uh, what we put into that we we put in a lot of effort and love into the concept and everything we produced with that collection and as you've mentioned you know the collection's not going away uh, we're planning more utility and value for our holders and future holders of those nfts they will exist they'll always be our first collection and for us it's just it's it's a true celebration i mean 100 episodes over you know a two a little over two years we have put in the the time and effort on this podcast so uh, sentimentally it also represented all of our hard work, energy and everything we've put into this podcast. So I'm definitely proud of it.
1: Yeah, me too. It was it was something that was really cool to launch and deploy. And again, thank you to the the guests who claimed their NFT and to those who went out and purchased one. It meant a ton to us. And just if you're listening or watching this episode, thank you for the support that you've given our podcast. Okay, let's talk about a couple other highlights. One was just getting some really cool guests on the show. So recently we had Roger Veer on the pod and Roger hadn't done an episode in a long time. He is a true crypto OG, had the the Bitcoin Jesus nickname, which he actually doesn't like, but he's always been referred to as Bitcoin Jesus. And Roger was just relaxed. He told us all sorts of... Of these stories from the early days. And he announced on our podcast basically that he is launching a book later this year, which is going to be a tell-all about the Bitcoin hard fork, which happened in
0: 2017. Again, all thoughts on on what that interview was? I thought interviewing Roger Beer was so much fun because we don't often, we have interviewed a lot of, I guess you could call them OGs, but Roger is kind of like, a cut above the rest from a, like an OG perspective. Um, so to have someone on who had these stories from the early days, who's just been around for so long, and he's a well known figure. So it, just hearing him chat and honestly, he was so friendly. Uh, and it, he was just a good interviewee as well. And he had a lot to say. He, so it was very easy for us to sit back and listen to his stories. And um, yeah, it's definitely a memorable one. Yeah. Okay, also, I'm going to throw
1: just a few headlines at you. And I want you to give me kind of the breakdown of what you think has been the biggest story in crypto so far. So another guest that we had on was Anthony Rose from Matter Labs. And he was talking about the launch of ZK Sync Era, which is a huge step into layer two. So layer two development, I guess that's the first piece. Bitcoin ordinals, which kind of came out of nowhere. So the idea that we have NFTs within Bitcoin, we had Adam McBride on the show to talk about that. He's an NFT historian and was talking about how ordinals work, how they came about. Then we had the bank failures, Silvergate signature and and just that Balaji's one million dollar bet that Bitcoin would hit one million dollars. by the it's way, a lot of news this year today, Today, recording this episode is the exact 90 days. And I can report that Bitcoin did not, in fact, reach $1 million. (laughs) Balaji admitted that much before he paid out his side of the bet. I think it was probably more of a marketing piece for Bitcoin than anything, his plan in doing that. All of these things, what else am I missing? And then, of course, what we were already talking about is the securities debate discussion, Mm -hmm. where the SEC is at. So there has been... A lot going on in this industry. I'm sure I'm I'm missing many things there. Those are some of the highlights that come to mind. What's been the biggest news story so far, in your opinion, of
0: 2023? Ooh, this is a tough one. This is a loaded question. I think uh, first I'll start with for most people, and and I'm I'm not going to lump everyone together. I'm going to say the stories that are the the biggest story really depends on who you are and what you do in this space because yeah. um for those really into bitcoin and nfts ordinals are will probably the biggest story i mean that that came out of nowhere and was really huge and had a big impact on the community too so it depends where you know your interests lie but i think if i were to look at this more from like uh Overall standpoint, what affects everyone the most? I think this whole um, SEC regulation storyline that's playing out right now has probably been the biggest overall news story of the year, um, especially because it involves uh, TradFi as well. So, I mean, in in a big way, really, a lot of this plays into favoring TradFi. And the big institutions and the banks and those who aren't really true crypto enthusiasts. So um, because of that, it's getting mainstream media attention. It's beyond just the world of crypto and our bubble. So I think that's probably been the the biggest story. And it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out because it's still happening right now.
1: I'd agree with you because the the question I asked was what's been the biggest story, the biggest news story. I think you hit the nail on the head with the fact of like, especially from a mainstream media standpoint, that's been the focus. If you were to ask people outside the industry who don't really pay attention, that's probably one of the things they'd bring up. However, I will say what I think is some of the biggest development and my eyes were open talking talking to Anthony Rose about The future of layer two, because at the end of the day, you know, we've realized, especially during the height of a bull market, Ethereum, the cost of gas fees, the ability to use the chain. It's unusable. Yeah, it, it really is unusable for the vast majority of people. And Ethereum is an amazing chain. I mean, we talk about Ethereum probably more than any other blockchain on this podcast, but... There's a collective understanding that if we're going to scale this, if we're going to bring this to billions of people, a lot of work has to be done with layer two. And the launch of ZK Sync era was such a major milestone Mm -hmm. toward that. And I think like that is one of the pieces these things that are quietly being built during the bear market not quiet if you're paying attention to the space but what most people don't see mm-hmm. these are the things that when we have the next bull market are really going to bring even more and more people into the space just like we saw nfts bringing all of these new people into the space the ability to have almost gasless fee or fee less ability to trade to send to send value on chain is going to be a massive Deal while also maintaining that decentralization and the security that you get with Ethereum. So for me, that's probably the most important thing that's happening. Yeah. But like you said, it was
0: a loaded question of like, what is the biggest news story? Yeah, lots of ways you can interpret that question, I think. But I, and I tend to agree on like the the layer two side of the thing, and like we're focusing, you know, we're we're talking about zk sync because. I believe they were sort of the first to launch their mainnet, even if it's technically an alpha mainnet uh, with the ZK rollup technology. But you know, Polygon, which mm-hmm. is a bigger name in the space, launched their uh, ZK EVM shortly after. And, there's, and I believe there's other lesser known chains that have launched since. Um, so it's really like blowing up right now, this whole ZK EVM technology. And it's great cause it, you know, the thought was a year ago that this was years away, many years away. And here we are, it's all launched and it's getting improved every day right now. So I think that was a huge milestone for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny, you know, reading out some of the headlines, sometimes you forget about all the things that have been happening in the space, but there's been a lot in these first six months. As for the rest of the year, you can expect hopefully more of the same from Alf and I. We're going to continue our mission to keep getting good, interesting guests on our podcast. As we mentioned, we had a lot of, of huge highlight wish list guests that we're, we've been hoping to get from day one who we had in the first half. That will be our mission for the second half of the year. And to keep you informed with the biggest stories of what's happening and introduce you to some of the greatest minds in this space and people who are working on these incredible projects and really with the goal of onboarding billions to the blockchain space. I want to say a huge thank you. If you're watching this, if you've listened to any of our episodes in the past, if you've subscribed to our channels, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the support. It's people like you who keep Ulf and I wanting to keep this podcast going, delivering the content that we are. So a huge thank you.
0: Ulf, any final thoughts before we sign off? Yeah. I mean, just on the subject of getting great guests on the show, we'd love to hear from you too. So, you know, if there's someone you want on the show that you think would make for a great guest fire it off in the comments, let's hear from you. And, you know, Wade and I, we've interviewed so many people. So sometimes we don't think of the obvious too. There might be some great interviewees who we just haven't really thought of, even though maybe it's something that everybody wants to hear from. So, um, That'd be great. And otherwise, just thank you. It's great to have all this support. Wade and I are still going strong, and we're ready to bring you more great content for the rest of the year.
1: And if you love our show, make sure to review it on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us on YouTube. Thank you for the support, and we'll catch you on the next
0: one. Thank you for listening to Show Me the Crypto. Please make sure to subscribe as well as rate and review this podcast.